Welcome to the latest episode of Fishing Bites, hosted by cybersecurity veteran Chris Quinn. Fishing Bites will discuss the latest cybersecurity trends and innovations with global industry leaders. Okay, welcome. I'm Chris Quinn. I'm joined today by Josh Larson from Darkbit. Welcome to Fishing Bites, Josh. Today's um, conversation is going to be centered around cloud security. Obviously, go to you as the expert around this because you've got a uh, tremendous wealth of experience in the space. So why don't you just take a uh, brief moment to introduce yourself? Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And uh, I'm Josh Larson, uh, founder and CEO of Darkbit. And uh, what we do really is one specific thing with a pretty narrow focus. And uh, we help clients understand their cloud security posture, uh, help them improve that and uh, give them uh, guidance and advice on how to reduce their uh, risk and exposure uh, in their cloud infrastructure. Thanks, Josh. I, um, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to join me today. Uh, obviously, you know, it goes without saying the exponential growth in, in the cloud. Um, you know, perhaps you could just shed a little light on, um, you know, cloud, um, the embracement of cloud, um, and really some of the things at a macro level that you're seeing from a security point of view, both on the positive and on the uh, gap side of it as well. Yeah, yeah, there's, that's, that's a huge, uh, you know, huge open topic there. But, um, you know, in general, uh, you know, as we're seeing, as you mentioned, this sort of rapid uh, adoption and, and migration into cloud and shifting into cloud infrastructure, uh, you know, is well underway now. It's been happening for, uh, for years, but... Uh, I've noticed some interesting trends kind of persisting. If you look back to 2015, 2016, uh, you saw groups like Gartner um, putting out predictions or, or sort of uh, statistics that you know something like 95% of cloud security uh, you know failures or breaches, uh, uh, what have you, are basically the the fault of the customer. You know, they're, they're mistakes, misconfigurations, um, not necessarily vulnerabilities in the cloud service providers themselves, but in how customers are implementing uh, those services. So that was in 2015. The prediction then was by 2020, you know, 95% of these issues are gonna be the fault of the customer. Well, if you fast forward to 2019, 2020, Gartner is still saying the same thing. It's the same number, 95% of cloud security uh, issues and breaches are still the fault of the customer. So. On one hand, uh, you know, on the surface, it kind of sounds like that's shifting the blame and sort of pointing to, you know, inept customers that don't know what they're doing. But I think that, on the other hand, that speaks to sort of the um, the the positive work that the providers themselves are doing. So the fact that you don't see uh, widespread vulnerabilities, you don't see breaches in the cloud provider services themselves sort of what that tells me is they're doing a much better job than the vast vast majority us as you know as companies and consumers would be doing if we had to manage this infrastructure ourselves uh, and if you think back to you know kind of legacy data center days and, and of course there's still a tremendous amount of that infrastructure in place today but that's a very different mindset it's a different uh, approach to sort of managing risk in that surface area and and personally as a you know from a small business side um, i would much rather offload that obligation uh, to the likes of aws azure you know google cloud and let you know teams of experts focus on uh, reducing that risk 
you know, for me, frankly. So, Josh, you know, in the in the points that you make about, you know, the efficacy of the cloud providers, you know, being operationally effective and really showing um, some depth to their security acuity um, for obviously the respective customers that they're they're uh, hosting. Um, what what is it you know in terms of the approach that um, enterprises could better take as they migrate to the cloud and and maybe you know some of the the key areas of focus that they should be mindful of and and look to um, have visibility into and and really kind of lock down a operational cadence around. Them? Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great question and and sort of. You know, with that shift and like, you know, what we get, what the benefit that we get by moving everything, everything into the cloud, you know, it's not necessarily uh, cost savings, which a lot of people sort of think of off the off the top, kind of on the surface of the motivations behind moving into the cloud. But I think what you get more than that is speed and agility. And we talk about that, you know, a lot around kind of the DevOps world, uh, especially around uh, the idea of sort of shifting left, not just in security, but sort of the overall mindset of, of how we deploy applications uh, into production and get them live. So we've got um, the ability to sort of create more exposure, you know, as, as you know, engineers, as users, we can deploy new services really quickly, um, almost too quickly in a sense, because we kind of can move faster as uh, engineering teams than the security teams can keep up with. So we're creating more surface area, we're deploying more services, we're creating things that might be exposed publicly because it's quite easy to do, uh, frankly. The you know, cloud providers give us a lot of tools, a lot of APIs, a lot of ways to rapidly deploy and, and push things into production. And then we kind of have to pump the brakes and take a step back and think about, okay, what does this mean for our overall um, risk posture? What kind of surface area are we creating by deploying these new services? Um, so it's, you know, you have this kind of cycle where you you want to uh, iterate and innovate rapidly, but then you constantly have to kind of go back and, and reassess and look at, okay, what does our footprint look like now? You know, in the, in the legacy days of, you know, vulnerability assessments and pen tests, we we discover surface area by scanning networks. Um, now that's not really enough. You know, you can have uh, numerous services that, that may or may not be connected to the same networks. They might not may not even be in the same cloud accounts. Um, so the idea of sort of how we even understand what the total surface area is uh, has shifted. And so you see a lot of um, vendor solutions coming up uh, that try to address that. Uh, I think it's still kind of a, a fragmented approach. Um, you know, the, the providers themselves try to offer some native capabilities. Um, and then, you know, security vendors kind of come in and try to plug some of those those gaps and those holes. So, you know, there's, there's a ton there, but, um, you know, I think it's, you know, to your point earlier about shift left, it's about a mindset of, you know, how do we still move quickly while not sort of leaving the security team behind? You know, we still need to figure out how do we integrate that into this, you know, now hyper automated, uh, fast moving uh, type of mindset. We need to do the same on the security side and kind of bring that same mentality along for the ride. What type of visibility are you seeing into these cloud environments that can help the security teams be more part of that dynamic process, right? Because, you know, it's a foot race to get workloads to the cloud, enable business. Um, 
each organization has a respective security program and a policy that they want to um, adhere to and implement, institute organizationally. What what are what are some of the things that you are seeing um, effective organizations do to garner visibility and ensure that you know they have appropriate mapping of their security posture in the cloud? Yeah, I mean that that's that's one thing that, that it's kind of a never ending um, uh, effort. Uh, you know, especially if you as you start to grow the company either through um, you know organic growth as you're building new products and services or through you know, M&A and combining businesses, that, that footprint's ever expanding. But something that we see um, work well with um, clients that we work with is sort of thinking about two different sides of, um, of managing this risk. So there's, there's plenty of tools and point solutions, as, as we were talking about before, that you can sort of scan your environments, try to collect an inventory, because really at, at the end of the day, it's you're, you're, you have to start with the inventory piece and the visibility. You can't... Uh, you know, sort of manage what you can't even see in the first place. Um, so figuring out how to get the right amount of visibility and completeness of coverage is is one side of it. But then on the other side is is this mindset that anything that you can shift kind of not only left, but up into the provider layer um, is something that you want to think about prioritizing. What I mean by that is things that you can introduce as organizational uh, sort of immutable policies that can't be violated by um, engineers, you know, either intentionally or by mistake, um, that will prevent entire classes of vulnerabilities or of risk exposures. So, a very simple example is, you know, in things like public buckets and and uh, and blob storage. Uh, it's one thing to sort of come in after the fact and look for those um, public buckets and public storage um, items in your accounts. But sort of a more, you know, more tenable long-term solution is to think about how to block that at the organizational level, so that downstream users can't introduce those risks down the road. So that's a very simplistic example, but it's something that, you know, when you think about scaling to, you know, very large environments and multiple teams across different business units, it becomes impractical to think that you're going to be able to detect all of these things after the fact in sort mm -hmm. of a reactive way. And so the more of those things that you can shift into the organizational level of control, the more, you know, the easier it is to manage those kinds of things. Okay, great. No, good, uh, good insights there. Um, thoughts on cloud security posture management? Oh man, that's, that's an open-ended one. <laughs> a lot to unpack there. So that's, you know, I, I think the existence of the CSPM kind of, um, you know, market segment in and of itself is a very interesting um it's very interesting to look at kind of how that came to be and i think you know not to uh sort of um you know just poke aws in this regard but aws kind of you know uh, set the trend in, in a lot of ways and sort of in terms of how we look at um, provider um how the, how the providers develop and deploy or release services in, in the aws case it's very kind of well known that the service teams are all separate they all kind of operate under their own uh, sets of requirements and sort of how much similarity and interoper uh, interoperability exists between services, you know, varies depending on which service you're um, you're working with. So what ends up happening, and you see this with AWS where there's, you know, 10, 12 sort of security related services is there's, uh, you know, variance across each service in terms of coverage, visibility, 
um, capabilities, what each service does, whether or not it's redundant with another security service. So what we see you know, customers left with is sort of confusion on what's the best way to approach this. There's no sort of, you know, one switch to turn on, you know, I want, uh, you know, security posture management in my account. That's not really sort of how we, we see that approach. So, you know, you see CSPM vendors pop up and kind of try to fill some of those gaps. And so give you more comprehensive coverage, give you more recommendations on things that you can improve. Um, on, you know, improve on what the cloud security providers defaults might be. So the, the CSPM vendors are kind of trying to plug all those, all those holes, but then you also start to, you know, see the situation evolve where just seeing my risk posture is not enough. I have to think about, you know, what else is going to be connected to that? How am I going to protect the workloads that are in those environments? How am I going to potentially introduce auto remediation or, um, you know, blocking certain things from happening. So it's, you know, it's gone from in the beginning stages, basically an extension of inventory management and just show me what's there to now you're seeing much more involved and integrated solutions where there's different protection elements, there's integration that's deeper beyond just the cloud provider themselves. You're seeing integration into Kubernetes clusters, integration down into the container workloads and sort of mm -hmm. you know, how to manage much deeper than just, you know, high level configuration. Are you seeing it be a, a, an operationally intensive process for people to institute the security at that level, right? Because, I mean, there's one thing about visibility, right? And then how do you prioritize what you're seeing to ensure the appropriate efficacy of the security posture in the cloud? Yeah, that's a great question, and um, the the short answer is no. We're not we're not seeing it sort of work very well, and the way that we see that manifest is sort of a disconnect between how the tooling works in some of these cases compared to how teams work. So the mm -hmm. the tool workflow is not necessarily the same as the teams and the people and how they work. And and what I mean by that, kind of an example of that, is where I see a lot of um, analogies, frankly, to kind of legacy pen testing and vulnerability assessment days. So back in the early 2000s, um, you know, I spent some time doing consulting for power and energy companies where we would go on site, scan networks, you know, thousands of IPs and systems and build that inventory and, and um, kind of build a list of findings, rank them by severity, and then produce a huge report, give that to the client, and then sort of let them work through um and you know yeah. naturally Hope is a strategy <laughs> yeah and, and you know it, it was a running joke back then that unfortunately kind of had some truth to it that in cases where we would come back year after year you could almost just change the date on the report and it would be the same because it was so labor intensive to to fix that volume of issues and vulnerabilities that many of them would persist you know year after year and what we see sort of um, now is a lot of that same mindset in, you know, even though we're all, you know, heavily pushing automation, DevOps, the cloud providers are uh, driven by these massive, robust APIs. So there's, there's tons of things we can automate. What we're producing is still reminiscent of the same kind of vulnerability report uh, or findings report where there's just uh, thousands potentially in large accounts um, of findings to triage and um, prioritize and figure out how you're going to address those. 
So there's, on one hand, part of that problem is context. You know, we've automated things to such an extent that we lose some of the human context. But then the other side of it is how do we more appropriately align with the workflows of these teams and not give them unrealistic um, sort of uh, levels of, of work to do? So we're creating more work for them to do without sort of understanding how is this going to best integrate with the existing workflows such that some of these things actually get addressed versus just dumping a huge list of findings on them and potentially automating that. We see this quite a bit too, where the idea of continuous security is just automating the same scan. So now instead of mm -hmm. getting a report with 5,000 vulnerabilities in it, you're going to get that every Monday morning in your inbox. So um, you still have to triage, you still have to work through that, you still have to figure out um, you know, how best to address those. I mean, is there any way that you know, organizations that are levering the, the cloud at scale can be proactive so they're not, you know, chasing this on a weekly basis, right? I mean, you're always going to need that visibility of what, you know, potential gaps that you have in your posture. But, you know, what what are you seeing in terms of steps uh, organizations are taking proactively to mitigate that? Yeah, I mean, I think this is is really the essence of shift left, right? Like this is the, the more we can do that, the the better the downstream output tends to be. So the more you can do um, preemptive um, uh, uh, mitigation. So whether that's scanning infrastructure as code before it gets deployed, you know, scanning images before they run, um, you know, those kinds of things. It's um, you know not always possible, especially in the cases where we come in to sort of give some context. We're we're coming in obviously after the fact. So a client already has a cloud infrastructure footprint. They've already built, you know, multiple applications, products, services. So we come in um, and kind of catch them up, sort of establish a baseline of, okay, what you've built and deployed up until now, it, it is what it is. It's, it is the baseline. There's no disputing whether it's good or bad. It's just, it is what it is. But we use that as the starting point and set realistic expectations that we're not going to solve everything tomorrow. We're going to start from that baseline and then start to incrementally improve such that tomorrow your risk posture is better than it was yesterday. And so, uh, frankly, we're still working uh, through kind of um, testing different approaches to see what works um, and what doesn't as far as, you know, minimizing the total volume of things that we surface and thinking about it in a more graduated approach where we can just focus on specific areas instead of everything at once. What I mean, what I mean by that is like potentially focusing only on um, identity and access management, IAM issues as your mm -hmm. first kind of milestone. And so we can carve that out out of the whole superset of findings and, and overall vulnerabilities. Let's just focus on these for, you know, call it a two week sprint and figure out how can we minimize the risk in just this area. So we can introduce some, um, you know, provider level global policies that control some of that. We can institute some more standards in terms of how things are rolled out, introduce things like multi-factor authentication. but we just take, you know, bite off small pieces of that and try to approach it incrementally. Um, that's something we've been working with clients recently on that's, that's, uh, seems to be working pretty well, but that's just one example. No, great example. So as we, um, as we wrap up here, Josh, it's been very enlightening and I appreciate you providing all the experiences and insights, 
you know, a lot of um, what what you're touching on is very consistent to what we're seeing over here at Iovations. Um, as you look at, um, you know, the biggest takeaway for organizations to, you know, have front and center, what, what would that be for you? Um, yeah, I think, you know, my, my suggestion would be to, you know, I think we as a, you know, as technologists and engineers kind of approach things with a, a, a tools first approach or the idea, at least, that a tool is going to solve the problem. But what we see kind of that seems to work better is sort of flipping that around and coming at it from the, the people side first and sort of understanding how how the team works. What does that workflow look like? And this is something that that I see kind of missing from a lot of CSPM tools is the idea that if we're going to have any success with this, we have to integrate with the workflows of the teams that are actually doing the work. Mm -hmm. uh, so it kind of doesn't really matter. All of the other pieces, you know, how much um, coverage we have, how many findings we can find, um, you know, how many vulnerabilities we can surface, that's all well and good. But if we don't have an understanding of how that's going to integrate with the downstream teams that are actually going to do that work, then it's a non-starter and it's, it's ne we're never going to be successful. So um, what I'd like to see kind of in the space in, in a general sense is an idea that, that we're catering to the users, the teams and their workflows um, and figuring out how to get the tools to meet them there. Um, so that's you know, obviously a lot easier said than done, but that's just kind of you know, how we think about it from a high level and, and um, you know, hopefully we can make some progress in that direction. No, good stuff. Well, Josh, I want to thank you very much. Uh, Darkbit has um, been a great partner of iOvations. We've uh, we've done a lot of good projects together, and your insights are very meaningful. We certainly appreciate you taking the time today. Awesome. Yeah, happy to do it. Uh, thanks for having me on, and uh, yeah, it was a pleasure.